Please just turn back in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, what we, what we read earlier. Perhaps as you're, as you're turning there, uh, you can think about uh, coming to the end of the new year. Uh, we're reflecting on the year that's gone before us. And I was, I was interested this week to, to see that um, Google... Google had released their uh, most popular search terms of the last year, and re- reading it was kind of like it was like sitting through a rerun of 2023. Um, so, what kind of things were we searching for in 2023? But do you, do you remember Titanic submarine? That was in June this year. Maybe more recently, the most f- popular celebrity who was searched for. It was Matthew Perry. He was in the news recently, wasn't he? The most popular movie that was searched for, what do you think? It was Barbie. Just beating out Oppenheimer. So there's your answer to the Barbenheimer question. But all of these things, they were all, they were all trounced by the most popular word, the most commonly searched word in the UK. What do you think that could be? In the UK, what's the most searched word? It's not news. It's not BBC. Obviously, it's weather. Weather is the most searched word. It's very British, isn't it? But the clever folks at Google, they, they can also bring together all sorts of search terms, and they can, they can group them by topic. So the most popular topic, that's, that's videos, pictures, news articles, everything. And I was surprised to see that the most searched topics, four out of the most ten most popular search topics were to do with, were to do with war, were to do with conflict. You think about this year, the Middle East, war in Europe, Sudan. And before us tonight, in Genesis chapter 3, what do we have before us? Well, really, it's, it's the beginning of a centuries-long conflict which begins to end, starts to see its conclusion at Christmas time. We remember that at this time of year and the incarnation, but ultimately it will see its ultimate conclusion when Christ comes a second time uh, to bring peace that will last forever. So we're going to consider this passage before us tonight. We'll do so under three headings. The beginning of conflict, the reality of conflict, and finally the the end of conflict. But before we do that, let's ask God for help as we do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are with us now by your spirit. And so we ask that you may open our hearts and open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So firstly, then, we have uh, the beginning of conflict. Beginning of conflict. The first, uh, the first couple of chapters of, of, Gen- of Genesis are, are really amazing chapters in the Bible. They, they present to us life uh, before the fall. 
So we have flowing rivers, we have, we have trees rich with, with good fruit, we have abundant life. Man and, and woman living in, in harmony, rejoicing in one another. And they live to fulfill uh, the creation mandate. The creation mandate, Genesis 1, uh, 28, they, they live to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it. This really, these, these opening two chapters, this is life at peace. But we know from, from reading on, we know from our day-to-day life, uh, that this, this peace, uh, it does not last. And as we enter Genesis 3, as we, as we read that together, we have a shift in the, in the tone of the music. Uh, the picture takes on a, a colder, darker color palette. With the entrance of the, of the serpent, we, we read together of a, of a conversation that takes place. Don't we? we? We see God's goodness questioned and then directly challenged. There's a look at a tree, eating of the fruit. And with this shame and, and guilt enter the world, mistrust and, and deception become part of, of everyday life. And the harmonious, peaceful relationships of the garden, well, they're they're destroyed. And maybe you've been in our church uh, the, the past month, maybe longer. Maybe you've heard us talking about, uh, about Hope Explored. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say Hope Explored? Maybe, maybe you've heard it in the announcements. Maybe you got one of our bright yellow invites that can be hard to miss. Well, at that, at that Hope Explored course on our, our first night together, we, we looked at that topic of, of peace. And we thought together about how we, we long for, for peace. Because we, we live in a life of, of conflict, but not just side-by-side relationships, but, but on a vertical level as well. And we, all, we all know that side-by-side conflict, don't we? Siblings fall out with each other. Co-workers frustrate us. Friends maybe let us down. And we get, a, we get a glimpse of that in the garden in this passage, don't we? The, the human relationship between Adam and Eve is, is disrupted as for the first time they feel shame at their nakedness and they, and they hide from God. But it's not, it's not just their relationship with each other. It is that relationship with, with God. And we, we've thought about that, about that recently, haven't we? In, in our morning service, how, how God routinely walked with Adam and Eve in, in the cool of the day. But now that, that relationship of peace, well, that's been destroyed. And conflict now marks the experience of, of man and woman for the rest of their time. In our passage tonight from verses 14 to 19, if you just look down at those with me, look down and you see how God responds to Adam and Eve's rebellion. What what is God doing in these verses? he's, he's, He's pronouncing judgment. He's pronouncing judgment on each of the the parties concerned. First 
on the serpent, then on the woman, and then finally on the man. And the man's uh, relationships are, are frustrated when it comes to work and the provision of, of food. That's what it tells us, doesn't it? And then the woman is frustrated in her relationships in, in the home, in, in childbearing, and towards her husband. And then in verse 14, we have the curse upon the serpent as she must eat dust all of his days as a symbol of humiliation that will, that will last forever. And then we come to verse 15. God is, is speaking to the serpent. The fall has just taken place. Man has rebelled against God and God speaks to the serpent in verse 15. Listen to, listen to that verse again. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This verse then, this verse 15 is, is given amid God's pronouncement of judgment. But do, do you see the, the hope in it? There is a flicker of a candle in the darkness of, of chapter 3. See that the curses, the judgment is, is issued, but it is not issued without, without the promise of deliverance. That's what we'll consider uh, tonight in our next two headings, just, just how this verse can be a, a source of, of hope for us. This, this verse, this, this little star in the darkness, it's, it's had a, a rather fancy name given to it throughout the history of the church. Maybe you know it, maybe you've heard it before. This verse, verse 15 of, of Genesis 3, has been called uh, the proto Evangelion. Been practicing that all week. Proto Evangelion. What, what does that mean? Well, really, it's, it's, a, it's a simple word, really. It simply means uh, the first gospel. This verse, Genesis 3 15, this is the first promise of redemption in Scripture. And what, what I want you to notice tonight, right from the get go, I want you to notice, when is, this, when is this promise given? When does God choose to, to issue this promise of redemption? When is the proto-evangelion given to us? Does, does God wait? Does he wait a few, few days just to let Adam and Eve really wallow in their guilt? Does he wait years? For them to show that they're really, truly, earnestly sorry. <laughs> well, no, no, he doesn't, does he? God issues this, this promise of redemption in the very same breath that he is issuing judgment. God does not, he does not wait for Adam and Eve to work hard enough to show how sorry they are. No, God acts first. God moves towards them. Because that is the kind of God he is. So I hope you can see even in this, this darkness, the, the light of the gospel is shining. But perhaps, perhaps tonight here, 
Maybe maybe you don't feel like that. Maybe you can't see the light for the darkness. Maybe you think your 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 sins your sins are too dark. They're too secrets. They're too frequent. Perhaps you can think you can look at this passage tonight and find comfort that, that even in the midst of the fall, the beginning of sin, the beginning of darkness, the, the promise is, is given. For our, for our God, our Bible tells us, doesn't it, that the, the darkness is as light to him. The, the night is as, is as day to him. And so tonight he, he invites you, he invites you to lay hold of the promises offered in the gospel. Promises that are offered even in the darkness. So turn to him tonight, turn to him in faith and embrace the, the promise of forgiveness and, and redemption that is offered to you. So having considered the, the beginning of conflict, let's look a bit more closely now at verse 15 as we think about the reality of conflict. So the reality of conflict. If you look at the first two verses of, uh, two, first two lines, sorry, of verse 15, you'll see the use of the word uh, enmity. It's just becoming enemies. And this, this enmity exists between, uh, between the serpent and between Eve, but it also exists between the serpent's offspring and Eve's offspring. We'll think first about the reality of, of the conflict between the serpent and Eve, so the, the enmity that exists between them. Uh, I've, I've had many uh, good attempts at, at taking up new hobbies or new things to, to try out. I, I took up chess for a while. I wasn't, wasn't quite smart enough to, to play chess. Uh, I, did, I had tried my hand at bread baking. I didn't really get beyond COVID lockdowns. Um, I know someone who, who bought, a, bought a bicycle for well over a thousand pounds and then sold it a week later on Gumtree for a couple of hundred pounds. And, and I knew that because I bought that bike, so I got a great bargain that day. Is, is, that, is that what's happening here before us? Is this, is this just a failed hobby? Is this God's creation experiment that has gone wrong? Eve has, has been deceived by the snake. She has, she has obeyed him rather than obeying her God. And that act of, of rebellion, that, that could have been the end of, of God's creation project with Eve handed over to the serpent. But that, that's not what happens, is it? God, God does not leave Eve in this condition that she has caused for herself. No, she's, she's not left enslaved to the serpent. But God acts in grace. He, he, he changes her affections for the better. Her, her loves, her, her desires, they're turned against the snake. She, she is made an enemy of the serpent, not, not an ally. So see God, how God demonstrates his mercy towards fallen humanity right from the very beginning of our rebellion puts enmity between the woman and the evil one instead of just allowing humanity to exist in, in subjection to the serpent. But it's not just between the, the woman and the serpent the enmity is placed. No, the, the enmity is also between their, their offspring. 
That's the, the second line of verse 15, isn't it? And so from this point on, there, there are two streams which flow. There are two lines. There is the offspring of Eve, and there is the offspring of the serpent. And immediately, they come into conflict. You don't, you don't need to look very far to see that conflict emerge. Just look across the page. Chapter 4, we immediately see conflict. Faithful Abel is murdered by Cain. A brother murders a brother. As one is faithful to, to God and what he has commanded, and the other rejects God. But it doesn't end with Abel. There's picked up again in another son in Seth. And from Seth we we reach Noah. And Noah and his family, they are they're the offspring of Eve, and they are faithful in a faithless generation. They exist in conflict with the world around them. And so it goes throughout Genesis into Abraham and Isaac and so on. Throughout the book, there are chosen descendants of Eve who prove themselves to be, well, to be faithful to God. And time after time, they find themselves in opposition to their enemies, to the offspring of, of the serpent. But maybe that, maybe that sounds too, too easy or too convenient. There are good guys and bad guys. It's maybe a bit simplistic. And maybe, maybe tonight you're, you're new to the Bible. Maybe you're skeptical about, it, about its claims. Let me tell you, even in this offspring of Eve, the Bible does not shy away from the, the flaws and the, and the sins of the people it describes in its pages. I was, I was talking to a friend uh, recently uh, about how we want our funeral to go. It's a casual <laughs> conversation, as you do. And uh, he, he said, at my funeral, I, I want someone to say something bad about me. Funerals are, are often a time when, when all the bad things are, are wiped away. People only say good things. I, I, I get that. I understand why that's often the case, but I know sometimes you're sitting there thinking, I, I don't recognize this person that's being described. Is, 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 that, is that what the Bible's like? Does the Bible wash away all the faults? Is it like a, a carefully curated celebrity Netflix documentary? All the warts and blemishes are, are wiped out. Let me, let me tell you tonight, the Bible is not like that. The Bible does not... It's not afraid to show that, that the people contained in its pages are flawed people. And you'll need to read Genesis to, to see that this offspring of Eve, this promised line, is full of, of liars and, and doubters and cheaters. And that, that's because, well, the, these, these people, well, the, these people in many ways, they're, 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 they're like us. They, they struggled with sin, as we do. They lived in a, a fallen world, as we do. But that, but that line, that flawed line, those offspring, they, they were a chosen offspring. 
God had his purposes for them. And, and they each had their part to play in, in the conflict, in the, in the enmity that exists between the serpent and the offspring of Eve. And they all anticipated, they all, they all expected, they all awaited one person, one individual who would come to save. Look at, look at verse 15 again. There will be enmity between your offspring and her offspring. And then what's the next word? He. Here's an English quiz for you. What, what kind of word is he? He is a, is a pronoun. Isn't it a masculine pronoun? But more, more specifically, it, it is a singular pronoun. So it's he, singular, not, not they, plural. And so this, this promise is a promise of an individual. There, there will come one offspring who will come to, to do battle with the serpent. It's at, it's at this time of year that we remember his coming in a focused way, his, his arrival in this world. Because Jesus, Jesus is the offspring of Eve who comes to do final battle with the enemy. And, and here, right from the very beginning of Scripture, he has promised, he has, he has expected, he has awaited. What we remember, what we celebrate at Christmas is the coming of the offspring of Eve in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And so will, will you allow that to be the focus of your Christmas? Will, will you allow that truth to be the center point of, of all that happens? I mean, we, we love Christmas, don't we? We love our time with family and friends. We love good food. We love the festivities that, that happen. But don't, don't let the good things take away from, from that best thing. This, this long-expected Jesus was, was awaited for centuries by our forefathers. And now we, we can look back. We can know that it has happened. So will you do that this Christmas? Will you, will you sing songs in praise of him? Will, will you join with your, your church family as we meet together and we pray? Could, could you even take time maybe on, maybe on Christmas Day just to speak even for a little while? about why you're celebrating in the first place. Maybe, maybe you could even be bold enough to, to invite someone to uh, our Carl service next Sunday. Because uh, this, this Christmas, we, we want to have a heart of worship for, for God's Son. We, we want that worship to overflow in, in devotion to him. Because we know that, that the coming of, of Jesus... It's not just a nice thing to remember at Christmas time, but it's an event that, that changed the world. Because we, we know that, that this promised offspring of Eve, he came to do something. And that's, that's what we'll consider in our, our last point. We've had the beginning of conflict, we've had the reality of conflict, 
Now, let's, let's look at the end of conflict, at uh, the end of conflict in the, in the second half of, of verse 15. You don't, you don't need a, a medical degree to know the difference between a, a head injury and a, and a heel injury. You don't need to go up to A&E to see how they triage head injuries or treat it differently than foot and ankle injuries. We can see from this verse that that the one who descends from Eve, he will deal a mortal blow to the serpent. But in the process, he, he will be bruised also. Because before before victory comes, there must be there must be suffering for Christ. And the, the incarnation, that, that, that is really the beginning of a of a life marked by suffering for our Lord. What do we sing this morning? Born in squalor, in a borrowed stable. Growing up, he was despised by many. Jesus lived with, with nowhere to lay his head. He was, he was rejected. He was misunderstood, even by his own family. He had, he had stones taken up to stone him. He would go through fasting and, and periods of, of temptation. Our, our Lord's life, it was marked with suffering all the way long. And, and it all starts with, with his birth, with the incarnation. And from the, from the moment that the bed of, of straw pierced his, his infant skin, Right, right to the moment when, when nails would, would pierce his, his hands and, and his feet. Our, our Lord, he knew suffering and, and sorrow all his days. See, that, 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 that child was born with, with a task. He was born to bruise the head of the serpent. He was born to bring an end to the conflict by, by dealing with the enemy directly. Jesus, Jesus in his crucifixion, he, he took the punishment which, which we deserved entirely upon himself. He died in our place. Yes, he, he died for you. He was buried even in a tomb, but, but praise his name. I mean, he, he rose again, didn't he, on the third day? And that, that resurrection, that was proof he had triumphed over death and the devil. The, the serpent had been crushed. The, the victory had been won. And the resurrection of Jesus, war is over. The conflict has, has ended. But it, doesn't, it doesn't always appear that way. Some, sometimes this life, it feels more like wartime than peacetime. Life is, is marred, isn't it, with, with pain, with, with sadness, with, with heartache. How can there be peace if this is our experience? Well, the, the life of the Christian, the, the life of the Christian really is a life of following in the footsteps of our, of our master. We, we walk the way of the cross, as, as he did. The servant is not above his master. 
As the king goes, so go the people. And that's the experience of the church throughout all ages, isn't it? I mean, you just need to read Acts or any of the letters in the New Testament, and you'll see that, that to suffer as a Christian, it's, it's not unusual. But Christ himself says in, in his word that, that we will have tribulation. But what does he say after that? He says, fear not, for I, I have overcome the world. And, and the overcoming of the world is nothing less than his victory on the cross and, and the clear demonstration of that victory in his resurrection. And so at this, this time of year, we, we remember Christ's coming to earth. But perhaps, perhaps this year, perhaps this year, more, maybe more than looking back, maybe you could begin to look forward. You, you could begin to, to look ahead because this, this offspring of Eve, this, this long-awaited Savior who came to earth, this same Jesus, he, he is coming again. There will be a second Christmas. There will be a, a second Advent. But on that day, Jesus, he will not come quietly in a borrowed stable. He will come triumphantly. And victoriously, and every eye will see him, because the conflict has ended, and he will return to bring justice and righteousness and an everlasting peace to those who, who are trusting in him. So maybe as I, as I end, I can end with the, with the words of a famous Christmas song. War is over if you want it. War is over now. Because if, if you want it, you, you can know an end to the war, an end to the, to the conflict. Because Christ has, has triumphed over death and sin and the devil. Because of that, you, you can know the peace that he offers. So do you want that peace? Will you trust in him as, as your savior and as your God? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and you will be saved. Have faith in him. If you run to him, if you embrace the victory he has accomplished, you can have the peace he offers and this year for you, this year at Christmas, war can be over if you want it. So let's pray to our Savior King.